But what's interesting here, it's not only about, you know, having a high epistemic weight for your beliefs. Mm. It's also the way you relate to those beliefs practically. Mm. Because I've seen this before, even in my own life. I would intellectually be able to prove something, but my heart was still disconnected. Yeah. And, and, and there was a correlation between the way I was relating to Islam and the way I was abstract knowing Islam. Because remember, the heart, the qalb, right? The qalb, the aql, according to many ulama, the intellect is a function of the mm. qalb. And yeah. the spiritual qalb, the heart, does what? Taqallub. Taqallub. To change and to waver. But yet the heart, its desired state is to be sound, to be fixed on iman. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to today's unscripted uh, episode of the Sam Trinity's podcast. We have a special uh, topic today, topic centered podcast around the topic of Shubuhat. Uh, about uh, doubts that we'll be talking about uh, this week on Islam 21C. Uh, so we went out and got two people who are, um, you know, have a lot of experience in the dawah sector. Uh, I was going to say business, but it implies you make money and stuff. There's no money in dawah, is there? Uh, we have Hamza Georges and Ali Dawa. Assalamu alaikum, brothers. So Hamza, you are today... Um, representing or speaking uh, as someone who's the founding part of Sapiens Institute and Ali Dawa he loves Dawa so much that he uh, <laughs> he, he named his uh, <laughs> he gave himself a surname of Dawa mashallah I don't know I've never known that is that just a stage name or is it just a coincidence before I came to Islam they used to call me Ali and one day I was you know I'm actually in Musa's bedroom I'm in <laughs> too much information bro <laughs> Let me get into it. In this place, this is where Dawa, this is actually where we decided the name Ali Dawa, by the way. Me and Musa, I was thinking, what can I call it? I was like, should I call it Ali Dawa? Like D-A-W-O-W, like a wow. I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. And then I was like, nah. And then I thought, you know what? Let's just Dawa. I'm Ali. And uh, I'm planning on doing Dawa. I thought, yeah, let's call it Ali Dawa. So in this nice. very place, it, uh, it began, yeah. Mashallah. Hamza, <laughs> how did you choose the name Georges? What is it Georges? <laughs> Is that how you say it, right? Georges. No, Georges. No. Am I saying it right? Hamza Zorzis. No, no, that's wrong. It's, it's, you have to pronounce the T a little bit more. So you're bringing the T I'm, and the Z together very fast. So it's Zorzis. That's what I said. George. No, you said Georges. Georges. Or you could call me what Sheikh Yusuf Esther's call me. He calls me uh, gorgeous. I'm the gorgeous. That's the appropriate sound effect for that. Uh, but mashallah, yeah. So um, we were just uh, discussing before we started uh, with the fake salams that uh, you, as part of Sapiens, you have uh, a whole course that you're doing on Shubuhat. And we thought that that's going to be excellent, inshallah. We're going to get you to write some stuff and publish it on Samtrin C as well. You've been doing a lot of research over the years on Shubuhat. Right, and Ali Dawa, he's got a lot of experience from uh, you know YouTube and social media, speaking, interacting with Muslims, uh, and even non-Muslims. And you know, don't know that Ali, you come across a lot of shubuhat and doubts and stuff. And you know, we thought this would be a nice um, kind of a, a arena to test some of these uh, theories out of Hamzas and 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 uh, you know principles in regards to uh, doubts and shubuhat. So let's start off just by defining. Uh, what we what we understand shubhat to be. What is a shubha? 
Yes, so shubuhat is the plural for shubha. And from a linguistic perspective, it relates to something that resembles something that it's not. So for example, tushbihu, it resembles something that it's not. In other words, a shubha is a falsehood that's dressed mm. up as truth. As Ibn Taymiyyah, the 14th century theologian, he spoke about this and he basically said that the reason that shubuhat you know, take control over one's heart sometimes is because there's an element of truth in there. Although it's based on falsity, it has no kind of, you know, intellectual basis, if you like, right? So uh, a shubha is a destructive doubt. Now, what does a destructive doubt technically mean from a theological perspective? It means that you're trying to deform the religion, change the religion, change and distort the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and undermine it undermine its foundations that's what a shubha does in essence or it opens the door to that and that's why one of the strategies in dealing with shubhat is being able to make a distinction between valid questions waswasa and shubhat and we could talk about that later mm. but it's very important to mention it now because a shubha is not just a question and it's not just uh, shaitanic whisperings because the shaitanic whisperings according to the hadith of the prophet sallallahu they are basically uh, things that you are you have a psychological aversion to. You don't believe in them. You're not going to talk about them, and you won't act upon them. If if you have that, that's not a shubha. That is waswasa, and the way to deal with it is ignore it, right? Mm. And the Prophet sallallahu said, "This is a sign of iman." So mm. we have to make those type of distinctions. And obviously, valid questions are valid questions. Something we could talk about a little bit later. But generally speaking, this is what a shubha is. That's interesting in terms of the, the linguistic level of resemblance, something that resembles. Um, I think one of the translations we've used in the past is specious argument. Uh, a specious argument is something that resembles a cogent argument, but there are some hidden kind of uh, or subtle fallacies embedded in there that actually make it a fallacious argument over, overall. Um, so likewise, a shubha, can you give an example of uh, a shubha, what you mean by you know, um, this type of argument that Ali, maybe, maybe maybe something you've come across. Can I ask a question to Ustad Hamza, if it's possible? Yes, yeah, sure. Playing the very same topic. So Ustad, would you say when somebody gets waswasa, so if I get a waswasa, for example, um, who created God? That's a waswasa. When does it become a shubha? When does it become a doubt? Because you mm -hmm. said that waswasa and doubt are two separate things. So imagine a young person. So he's got this waswasa in his head. Yeah. Some some youngsters we talk to say that they have these evil thoughts about Allah. Mm. So when does it become a doubt? Okay, this is a very, very good question, actually. Wallahi, it's beautiful. And it shows your sincerity. May Allah bless you. So because thinking about mm. these topics requires that type of sincerity. So you could bring out these type of questions. Now, i give an example. I had a situation where I had a, I think it was a Skype session with uh, a, a sister and her husband and she was like a student of knowledge she could prove islam easily right but she had this shubha right uh, she thought it was a shubha and i was trying to make a distinction that actually it's not a shubha because i said to her do you believe in it do you have a psychological aversion to it can you refute it can you prove its opposite and so on and so forth and obviously this was a while ago, so I don't remember very clearly what the conversation was about, but that was my kind of strategy. And I came to the conclusion that you don't have a shubha because a shubha is like a parasite. It attaches itself onto the heart and it drains the iman 
and it makes one want to distort the religion and undermine the foundations. This person didn't want to distort the religion. They mm. believed in classical Islam. This person didn't undermine their foundations. They could prove the foundations of Islam. And the whole aversion was purely psychological. The whole issue concerning the waswasa was purely psychological. And based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, this was a clear sign. <clears throat> this had nothing to do with it being some kind of shubha, but it was more of a waswasa. And the way to deal with that is to completely ignore it. And also, there are other strategies that you need to do, which include make dua, focus on your spiritual heart, traverse the spiritual path, which is in line with the Quran and Sunnah, reading Quran, tahajjud, istighfar, all of those beautiful things, sorting out your environment, so many other things we could talk about. But mm. yeah, so just a, a quick answer to your question is, the distinction is when someone has a psychological aversion to it, this is what waswasa is. So say an idea comes, who created God, right? Uh, and they know Allah is uncreated, so you can't even ask that question, right? They know that it's impossible to have an infinite regress of causes, so they know the question is absurd, but it's still bugging them, and they have a psychological aversion to it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to act upon it. They know it's not true. That's a pure sign of it being waswasa. This is a spiritual mm -hmm. issue, and you have to give them spiritual solutions, not intellectual solutions, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a doubt, if that question was a doubt, it would have latched onto the heart and drained the iman to the degree where they're thinking, you know what? I don't know how to answer this question. Maybe there's a point here. Maybe there's some kind of validity here. And therefore, you need other strategies to deal with this rather than the strategy to deal with waswasa. So, so it could be, something that, could be something that starts off as a waswasa. That kind of maybe denotes, implies the, the, the source of that, uh, that idea in the first place. That maybe a whispering from shaitan or one of his uh, kind of agents. Um, but then if it takes root, if somebody doesn't seek Allah's, um, you know, protection and stuff. So like that example of who, you know, the question who created Allah, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that hadith quite powerfully, he said, if you get, even though there isn't a, a logical reply and re rebuttal to yes. this, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't say, didn't mention it. He said, say, I believe in Allah, thumma staqim. And, no. and and be um, uh, steadfast, and then he think, and then I think he said, and then seek Allah's refuge from Shaitan al-Jim. So and say, this shows that there is Shaitan al-Jim, yeah. for example. So and because the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned it, it must be that that is the best, the better course of action for that type of um, idea. Let's call it mm -hmm. right. That that waswasa. Salam, guys. Sorry to butt in, eh? But if you're enjoying this podcast, please head over to islamtrinancy.com forward slash donate to help us make more. And if you're not enjoying it, head over anyway and help us make better ones. Um, my, yeah, my, my perspective on this would be this shows clearly that some of these issues are purely come from a spiritual source. They're not an, they don't have an intellectual basis, right? Because remember, a shubha is a falsehood dressed up as truth. Mm -hmm. And the source of the shubha could be a waswasa in the beginning. Yeah. And the and what we discussed in the course is this shows that the solution to this particular issue is also spiritual it's not always rational yeah. but if you want to look at that hadith and analyze it it could be that the best advice was for that person mm. or it could be the best advice was for the specific person or the specific community mm. but it could be and that's why ulama they they address this question like uh, yeah. uh, abu Suleiman al-khatabi <laughs> 
he addresses this question. Even Ibn Taymiyyah addresses this question rationally when he talks about the wajib al-wujud, the necessary existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that you can't have an infinite regress of causes. So our ulama even discussed mm. the kind of rational response to this, but it shows the depth of our tradition that it's not just the abstract aql, the abstract intellect, but there are also spiritual solutions to this, which we have to take very seriously. And just ask Ali. I know he's, he's spoken to lots of people like this, and so have I. And I want to hear some of his um, experiences. When we speak to these type of people, wallahi, I'm telling you, wallahi, a majority of the cases also include some kind of spiritual, emotional, psychodynamic element. Mm. Honestly. Yeah. And there are so many... Examples that it's as if Allah gave them to us so it could strengthen our own iman because you just see, subhanAllah, they came to us with a so-called rational argument. But at the end, basically, you realize it was it was purely spiritual, right? I remember one Pakistani atheist, right, did quantum physics for a master's and he said, Hamza, your argument for God's existence doesn't make any sense because causality doesn't make sense out of the universe. Now, obviously, there's a philosophical response to this. We've studied this, but... By assessing him, I realized there's something going on. So I, I asked him, what do you mean by causality? And to cut a long story short, because in Western metaphysics, <coughs> causality, the nature of the causal link is not even ironed out. Lots of ikhtilaf. He basically said, I don't know. And then I said to him, listen, bro, isn't it very interesting that you're using a key word in a sentence to refute God and you don't know the meaning of the word? I said, come, let's mm. sit down. So we had a chat. And from what I remember, obviously I'm paraphrasing, it was a while ago. He, he, he told me his parents were very secular. He didn't know how to connect to, to Allah in Salah. So he, the cause of his doubt was spiritual, but mm. the kind of the way he expressed it was pseudo-intellectual. Mm. Um, so that was an example for me to show that, look, there was something else going on with this human being. I had another experience with someone who worked for a famous social media company, did the algorithms. And we had a really nice chat about the philosophy of the mind and AI and consciousness. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he contradicted himself in his logic. And for me, you know, kufr always contradicts itself. It's totally inconsistent. And for me, when they do that in, in the discussion, that is an indication that there is something psychological, spiritual going on. So I tried to subtly mention that. And I mentioned my own experience with my father. The minute I did that and tried to relate it to him, he switched. He stood up, he started crying. Mm. Wallahi. I mean, Subur Ahmed was in that room as well. And you should just see. It was just, it was as if it was a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then when we spoke to his mother, his mother affirmed that his major issues were to do with relationships with father figures or something, right? Now, it's not always the case, but a lot of it is psycho psychological and spiritual. So I, I, I know Ali has so many examples. Ali. Yeah, yeah he's nodding his head. I want to I wanna see what you... Uh... No, it's so interesting, subhanAllah. You know, that's one of the things I learned from Ustad Hamza Zot. Um, I call it the pizza dawah, you know. Uh, and it's, it's 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 so simple, but so amazing and so powerful because I went to one of Ayra courses, and this is what I love about Ayra, Allah bless them. Uh, and now Safety Institute. I haven't got a chance to watch any of the videos, but I'm definitely like Safety Institute because I get a lot of um, emails because um, I'm signing up to them, but I didn't get a chance to watch the video. Uh, but my long-term goal is to do that. Um, it's very interesting because, you know, we need... Um, Emotional intelligence in Dawah uh, mm. And this is something where we, we Lack greatly and it's so powerful Because sometimes we think it's a logical argument And well, why it's not It genuinely is not you know, I've experienced this firsthand in many occasions Where you're like I'm, I've broken down the argument But it's not convinced And you start doubting yourself like 
Am I, am I, am I, am I the plot? Like, but you then realize there's a deeper issue. And that's why in the dawah, for example, for us, like at Salam, uh, one of our key hadiths that we use is that the Prophet said, I came for nothing but to perfect good character. And we emphasize on that so mm. much because it's, it's, and that's why we set up Salam Corner in Speaker's Corner because in Speaker's Corner, it's, it's a, it, it can be chaos, it can be like, like a, um, um, chaos. Circus, like a circus. Circus, yeah. So, so we said, look, we want to move away from all this argument and shouting and it's ego because genuinely, if I can stand in front of Allah on the day of judgment and look at certain videos that I did and ask myself, was that, was that dawah? Was it, was it dawah? Honestly, was it dawah? Uh, and sometimes I have to criticize myself and I look at others and sometimes what happens is we go into the zone in speaker's corner where there's certain enemies of Islam. They are there and we, there is a certain, sometimes you have to be firm with them. You have to sometimes. But what we do is we, you know, that's what psychologists say, be conscious of the subconscious mind. So be conscious of the subconscious mind. And when you're not, what you do is you apply that. Once I was speaking to a group of Murtadin, like there was, the, there was a couple of them and she was insulting Allah. And I turned my back against her. I just said, look, I don't want, I don't want to engage with you. You're just rude. Da, da, da. And after I talked with her, her friend came. Now, when her friend came, and I started talking to her, I had this attitude. And then I think this on camera, you'll see, and I stopped myself and I said, hold on a second. And I gave myself about 10, 15 seconds. And this this, this girl was thinking, uh, what happened to him? And I said, I'm, I want to apologize because I said, I was talking to you like I'm talking to your friend. Mm. But you're not your friend. You're, you've just come into the scene. And I'm having it like... I'm, you I'm had on that this... anchoring bias. Yeah. You're, you're so basing it on the I first... To, I was giving dawah to my judgment. Mm. And I had to calm down. And I say, I'm sorry for my attitude. I was a bit, blah, blah, blah. let's start fresh. And then we had a nice conversation. We went out to eat, me, Ustad, Adnan, Rishi, uh, and a few other brothers with them, even though they were, they were quite hostile. We went there, we paid for their food, like in the context of we said, look, it's all right. And it's a well and bara, bro. <laughs> we, 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 we did that, but there was, a, there was a subtle change. Like I see them, they come to the park and they are very polite. They come and how you doing? I don't have, and they're like, and like, the thing is, you can see simple things. Well, like, it doesn't need to be complicated. Simple methods. Just go in and say, you know what? Let's put the ego to us. That's why when I have discussions, I just preempt and I say, look, I'm not here to win one of you. I'm not yeah. here to say I'm the best. I'm, please, I'm here to learn from you. Let's understand each other. If we don't do this and we get the ego in the way, the doubt that that person have, and I think it was one sheikh from Egypt, he said that he spoke to Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, Sheikh, what advice would you give me? He said, I'll give you two advice. He said, number one, may Allah make you beneficial to the people. Number two, when you're giving dawah, if the person opposite you is not accepting your message, leave them neutral. Don't turn them against Islam. Oh, you're arrogant. You're like this. You're like that, calling them names. We're human beings. Ego can kick in. Mm. And that's why I believe simple message uh, of just going, you know what, look, coffee, tea, wallahi, simple stuff like water. Would you like water, tea, coffee? It's strange, but it actually changes your like like you see two uh was it Yvonne Ridley who was um, kidnapped by um was it Al Qaeda yeah. who was I can't Taliban. remember yet. Yeah, it's Ajib, they're kidnapped, they come back as a Muslim. It, it it logically it doesn't make sense. You're kidnapped and you're coming back with their religion. What what so the, the point is this that it shows you the power of you know simple yeah, emotional intelligence and should have them change. Um, it's, sometimes shubahat can come in different ways. Like, for example, when I first came to Islam, uh, and maybe you can uh, touch up on this, 
I had, I, when I heard Aisha radiallahu anha and Ali radiallahu anha had a war, I was hit. I was like, the best companions fighting each other. It was a shubahad. Like, I was like, how is this possible? And do you see doubts come in different forms? Mm. It's not always logical. You'll hear people saying, you know what? I left Islam because I always see Muslims fighting. And you're like, that's not really a doubt, actually. And this is where emotion, mm. like, emotionally, and I was speaking to one brother in the parking and I interviewed this and sister said, this brother or these brothers were the reason I left Islam. And I was saying to the brother, brother, look, maybe we shouldn't do this. And his attitude was, bring her here, I'll make her accept Islam. And I was like, subhanAllah, firstly, it's a very arrogant statement. Mm. Bring her here, I'll, make, I'll get her to take a shahada. And secondly, it, it, he didn't realize and acknowledge that the doubt wasn't, he was saying to me, was it what, about Aisha's marriage, about this? I was like, it's about none of them. It's about the unnecessary infighting. He mm. couldn't grasp, he was like, what? So, Ustad uh, Hamza, do you think that kind of doubt, how, how could we deal with that kind of doubt? Like, well, it's... Yeah. Ali, I mean, Jazakallah, and I bless you, bro. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase you and protect you. I mean, and your development throughout the years and ages has been inspirational. And I'm not just saying this just to praise you, I'm saying it just as an encouragement. And people like you, mashallah, who's helping Don't be silly. So, what's beautiful <laughs> is this is. You know, what you've said to me reminds me what Allah says in the Quran in Surah Fusilat in verse 34, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says good and evil are not the same, repel by that which is better, and between two people this hatred, it will turn to intimate friendship. Mm. Now Allah doesn't follow the Arabic word repel by a direct object here, so it could mean repel anything by that which is better, and the ulama say generally speaking, what is better is responding with virtue and responding with beauty. So be a person of virtue and be a person of beauty. Now, what's interesting, that's Ayah 34. Ayah 33, just before, is about da'wah, the holistic vision of da'wah. When Allah says, and who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah, does righteous deeds, and mm. says, I'm one of the Muslims. So, you, you call to Tawheed, you, you, you become a person of Tawheed, you do righteousness, and you link your actions to the fact that you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What you said is a reminder of Chapter 41, verses 33 and 34. And it is so critical for us to realize this because we think that we have broken the kind of divine code for Hidayah. We don't. Allah's guidance is based on His infinite wisdom, which we cannot access by virtue of our own limitations, right? Mm. And we think that rational arguments and winning the debate is going to win some o someone over. No, it's not the case at all. I would even argue, do a sociological study on why people accept a religion specifically Islam, it's, it's not only going to be rational arguments. A lot of it is going to be spiritual. A lot of it is going to be uh, emotional, psychological, behavioral, social, environmental, and all of these other factors. So it's very important to be a person that you want others to be. It's very important for you to, to, to as Aisha said about the Prophet wasallam, to become a walking Quran, we need to internalize these values and they are expressed in the way we relate to other people. Because, you know, when you have a conversation with someone and you do it in an egoless way, that you're committed to their well-being. Wallahi, mm. I've had, I've gone to psychological type courses for, by non-Muslims and they're genuinely committed to my well-being. Yeah. When I feel that, I'm giving them my time. I'm giving them respect. I'm listening to them. I'm taking them seriously. I want to be their friend maybe. Now imagine Muslims followed the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and this hadith is narrated by Bukhari but it's in Tariq Al-Kabir but it's also Sahih. The Prophet said, 
love for linness. It's not akhilhi. It's not your brother here. It's linness. Love for the people what you love for yourself. And you know the other hadith in the Arba'een of Anawi, which means love for your brother. But Anawi said this means insaniya in general, humanity in general, from the point of view that you, you want goodness for people and guidance for people. And the Maliki scholar Ibn Taqiq al-Eid, he said something very similar. So Muslims should be committed, and listen to this, Muslims should be committed to the well-being of all people, which is a sunnah. And this includes you want goodness for them and you want guidance for them. Think about the hadith when the person was injured and the sahaba said to him, curse them, right? Or the sahabi said, curse them. And he said, I was not sent here to curse and to condemn, but I was sent here as a mercy, right? Now, this is not us being soft, because let me tell you something, bro, from people like me and you, and I know you're from the Hackney ends, I've seen you around there before, I'm from Hackney, bro, up in the 80s. It's easy to be harsh. Yeah. Yeah? It's easy. Mm. It's easy to be harsh. It's hard to be merciful. Mm. It's hard to be compassionate in these contexts, right? Especially when you're talking to like, you know, inverted commas, alpha male types. Mm. You know, people who like martial arts, people who are like, you know, a, a man's man, if you like. It's easy to be tough. It's easy to say what you're saying. What, right? It's easy to act that way. But it's very hard to hold it down for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To, to really say no. I'm committed to this guy's well-being because I want this guy to be freed from the hellfire. Mm. I want him to have a good life in this life and in the akhirah. And this is a prophetic sunnah. Mm. So the point is, you know what people sometimes accuse me, Ali? You're too soft, Hamza, this, that, and the other. I'm like, do you know how easy it is to be a bit harsh? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, you know, sometimes to hold your tongue and not to say what you want to say? You have but, to be, you have to really want to create awakenings within people. Now, obviously, you can't be soft all the time. Yeah. Because if you look at, for example, the, the, the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Allah says to him, speak softly to Fir'aun, the worst creature. Layinan, softly. And Imam Al-Qurtubi said, if you know Musa alayhi salam had to speak softly to Fir'aun, then imagine how we must speak to anybody else. But when you continue the narrative in the same chapter, Musa then gets a bit assertive. Yeah. But that assertiveness is still based on mercy. That assertiveness is still based on some a sense of rahmah because mm. he wants that person to awake, to be mm. awakened, so they know the reality of mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he's mm. worthy of worship, right? Mm. So, uh, sorry for waffling on on that issue, uh, but in, 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 in context of shubuhat, definitely your character can solve the shubuhat that are based on emotional and environmental issues, okay? Mm. I had a call the other day, bro, and they gave me two questions. And I was like, I said, you have no intellectual foundation for your apostasy. What's going on? Something's going on. Mm -hmm. And they concluded something was happening at home. Yeah. And that relationship needs to be fixed, right? That environment needs to be fixed. And sometimes you being a Muslim, just relating to them in such an amazing way, and they feel that you're committed to their well-being, that doubt could just disappear, bro. Mm -hmm. It could disappear. And that's life, that's human nature. Like there was a study, I believe, I think it was done by Oxford. You'll have to double check, guys. It was a anti-racist campaign group. The Oxford researchers or the researchers went to the anti-racist campaign group to do a study. And the study was that they would show different races on a computer screen and the anti-racist campaigners would take the mouse and click the negative word or the positive word. Obviously, they always went to the positive word but they timed how long it took to take to the positive word. And they saw that there was internal racism, subconscious racism, mm. that it took a little bit longer to go to the non-white face. What happened one day, some guy came to the office, he did the test again, 
because you could repeat the test and it was fine. They said, what happened? What happened? He said, well, you know what? I was watching the Olympics and I was watching the black runners run for my country. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that changed his subconscious state because yeah. the way he related to them, he had a positive experience with them. Yeah. So imagine when people see the sublime values of Islam in us. Like Sheikh Haitham made a beautiful point. He's like, the Ummah is on the rise. You know, there's gloom and doom, right? But he's always positive. Yeah. The Ummah is on the rise. Why? He said, everyone's losing their values apart from Muslims. Yes. Mm. Think about it. Yeah. You've got 15 million genders now. You've got the destruction of any type of hierarchy. Yeah. You've got the destruction of any type of moral hierarchy. Yeah. You've got the, the annihilation of family, yeah? Oh, and Islam is said- holding on to these values. Islam is holding on to these values. And, and if we show our values in with rahmah and hikmah, we could change the world as well, inshallah, mm. as well as the intellectual stuff. Assalamualaikum guys, me again, reminding you to head over to islam21c.com forward slash donate to keep the lights on on Islam21c. We pride ourselves on being independent and being funded by the grassroots community. It's, all, it's, 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 it's fundamentally about the even the, the, the word hidayah as well. So there's a part of hidayah which is I can show you the right way. I can give you the the technical, this is what you should be doing and what we should be doing. But the actual, the, 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 the secret behind hidayah is the tawfiq. So there's irshad and there's tawfiq. There's irshad is you just take a horse to water, for example. Tawfiq is you can't yeah. make it drink. Yeah. yeah, so there's that element that you know, you need to soften the person's heart and, and and prepare them to, you know, sincerely want guidance, sincerely want uh, the truth, right? And um, I, I I suppose when we what, what's the successful outcome here? What what do we want for the community? I, I I assume we want for the community that when they do encounter a shubha, they recognize how oh, that's you know it it doesn't really affect them much. They just maybe. Okay, interesting, you know, um, thought experiment. But you know, intellectually, it, 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 there's no danger that it poses. Uh, emotionally, spiritually, there's no danger that it poses to one's iman. Similar to how I was just thinking the other day about remember Zeno's paradoxes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if like Greek uh, Greeks tell their kids that like as bedtime stories or whatever. But you know, there's, you know, the Zeno, the famous uh, kind of Stoic, and uh, you know, he'd come up with these paradoxes, like you know, uh, the, um, the the race between the tortoise and Achilles. You know, the hero. The Georges, yeah, the yeah, Georges. The Georges. <laughs> and the tortoise basically beats him in a race because he's saying, you know, okay, I'll, if you just give me one, uh, you know, ten second head start, every time. You move half that way, I move half of the half of that way, and every time you move half the remaining, I move half the move half the remaining. So basically, there, there there's an infinite number of division between us two, so you'll never actually catch up. Therefore, there's no such thing as motion. Now, most people will think of it as, "Haha, that's a funny, you know, paradox," and just move on with their life. They won't really think, "Oh, wait, wait a second, there is no such thing as motion." Right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still. I'm, there's nothing. There's nothing I can. Uh, you know, I can't break out of this. Uh, thing. Why? Why is that? It's because they recognize that, 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 that the kind of epist- epistemically, epistemologically, the, the, the knowledge they have about certain things is so high and so secure from any attack that when a paradox co- does come across, they just laugh it off as you know interesting uh, kind of. 
you know, funny story, funny thoughts, or whatever. Um, so somebody entertaining a shubha about Islam and taking that seriously, I think we want to get them to the community to a point where their their understanding and their their spiritual and intellectual health is so high when it comes to the thawabit of Islam, the the main core elements of Islam, that. <coughs> When these kind of shubhat do come, they just kind of shrug it off, and and uh, you know they don't really yeah. take that to heart. But what's interesting here, it's not only about you know having a high epistemic weight for your beliefs; mm. it's also the way you relate to those beliefs practically. Because even if they didn't know the answer to Zeno's paradox, for example, yeah, right, or response to it, the reason it doesn't affect them not only because they have a strong belief in Islam is because the way they relate to their beliefs as well. Mm. Because I've seen this before, even in my own life, I would intellectually be able to prove something, but my heart was still disconnected. Yeah. And, and, and there was a correlation between the way I was relating to Islam and the way I was abstract knowing Islam. And that's why one of our strategies that we have is that we have 10 strategies, which maybe we could just summarize a bit later, but one of them include focus on your heart. Because remember, the heart, the qalb, right? The qalb, the aql, according to many ulama, the intellect is a function of the mm. qalb. And yeah. the spiritual qalb, the heart, does what? Taqallub, taqallub, to change and to waver. But yet the heart, its desired state is to be sound, to be fixed on iman, right? According mm. to the ayah in the Quran, when Allah says no one's going to be safe on the day of judgment, except the one who comes to Allah with a sound heart. And you have the hadith as well. I think it's in Sahih Muslim that you know there is a morsel, uh, there's a lump of flesh, and if it's sound, the body is sound, and that is the heart. So the 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 heart, the qalb that does taqallub, that changes, has to be fixed on iman, has to be sound. So how? Do and you with do the that? dhikr of Allah, does the heart find that rest? Yes. Yeah. So this is so. Mm. So what we recommend people to do is to you must do your morning and evening afkar in your du'as. You must make dua in general. So many look, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Mm. He was the master of annihilating idol worship. He was a destroyer of shirk. He made dua to Allah that him and his family are away from shirk, right? The Prophet, Habibullah, the love of Allah, he would make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that his heart is fixed on Iman, right? Fixed on his mm. religion. So these things. If, if the best people to have walked this planet are wary about this, imagine us. Make your dua. Yeah. Look at the Sahaba. I think one Sahabi, he noticed 30 Sahaba being worried about nifaq in their hearts. SubhanAllah. Mm. SubhanAllah. So this means, so make dua. Dhikr, make dua. Recitation of Quran. It's a shifa. Tadabbur of Quran. Allah says in the Quran, do they not reflect on, upon the Quran or the locks on their heart? Which mm. could mean the more tadabbur you do, the more your heart becomes unlocked to receive Allah's guidance and mercy. Do the subhagatri pra the prayers and so on and so forth. So you have a spiritual program that is you know, unique to yourself mm. that you could do, even if it's a small change, and that would help your spiritual heart and help you keep it fixed on Iman. So one of the strategies is to focus on your heart and to also make dua. But another strategy, for example, we strongly recommend is your environment. Mm. Now, if you look into the spiritual inner sciences of Islam, Tazkiyatul Nafs, whatever you want to call it, the type of spirituality in line with our classical tradition, our spiritual masters, the Quran and Sunnah, you will see that the major advice to deal with the major disease of the heart is what? Your company. Yeah? 
yes, you could focus on spiritual solutions like dhikr and, you know, wearing uh, 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 basic clothes and not eating too much. That's all great. But the foundational one is be careful of your friends and your environment. Mm. You will be upon the religion of your friends. Okay. You be those with those who you love. If you go to a blacksmith, you smell of a blacksmith. If you go to a perfume smeller, you're going to smell of perfume. Why does Allah mention the, the dog in the people of the cave? Right? Ibn Kathir questions this and he answers this. And basically he's saying that uh, the dog happened to be with the pious people and Allah saved them and the, and the dog. So mm. if Allah could save a dog because he's with good company, imagine what Allah could do to your life if you happen to be with good company, right? Mm. This is not only Quran and this is also sociological evidence. The famous 1950s, I think, um, psychological experiment with Solomon Ash and the lines, right? Your peer pressure can affect the way you see truth, right? Yes, there's, you know, discussions around that study, but there are many, many studies even today in... I haven't come across that. What, what's that one about? Well, from what I remember, um, basically, uh, peers were, were told to look at a line and to, to point out which line is, longer, is, is the longest line. Mm. And then after they were brought together... And, one, and then uh, uh, say there was 10 people, nine of them were told to say something oh, okay. different, to lie. And the guy who felt that this was the longest line and that everyone else agreed with when they discussed it individually, but because this pressure was set up, them, yeah. there, was, there were stooges, there was mm. pressure, right? Peer pressure, because there were peers, I believe. Uh, people need and to check this Muslims, out. For Muslims, they even get even more peer pressure. So yeah, very so, so let, me just, let me just finish on this point. So uh, so what happened was is uh, he ended up, uh, I believe, um, uh, saying the wrong thing. So the what he saw as truth changed mm. because of his environment. And yeah. double check uh, the full narrative of the story. I forgot it now, but it's something to do with that. But even if you study things like normative social influence, informational social influence, lots of studies in social psychology, yeah. your environment has an impact on the on your cognition, yeah. on the way you see truth, right? So uh, that's why we say you have to really sort out this environment, your mm. friends, uh, even your family, your immediate circle. Uh, because when you look at things like informational social influence or normative social influence, these are things that shape the social norm. Informational social influence is that all human beings have a need to feel certain. If they can't get that certainty from the mm. immediate group, like the Muslims, the Muslim community, they're going to go to the dominant group, the secular, if you like, or neoliberals, if you like, mm. or liberalism or secularism, to try and get that certainty. Even if they, they can't intellectualize it, because it's a bigger group, they'll go to them. Yeah, and that's why we have a duty to make sure that we provide certainty for our community. Another that's huge. Aspect is, that's huge. That's immense. Uh, uh, Ali, the you're going to say something. Yeah. Let's bring Ali in for a yeah, minute. Sorry, no, 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 no problem. Sorry. So no, start on finishing. Yeah. So the normative social influence is that we have mm. a need to belong, and if 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 our youth or people or our Muslim community don't belong with the Muslim community, they're going to try and get that belonging outside of the Muslim community, and they would adopt ideas mm. of the un-Islamic community, even though they don't really believe them to be true. And that's the power of belonging. That's why some of our youth who may not, who may dress a bit different, they may speak a bit different now, they may not look the pious, uh, they may not look pious, but they love Allah. You bring them in your community. You bring mm. them and you hold them tight. You don't judge them, yeah? You have mercy on them. You allow them to express themselves within the parameters of Islam. You know, even if they're a bit, if they're a bit quirky or a bit different, so what? 
mm. you know, we don't have an ethno-religious mm. cult. This is Islam. It's not mm. you have to wear sarah kameez and have a topi and eat birani. That's not Islam, right? <laughs> so you, you have to hold on to these people into you your community, you know. Because if you don't, they're going to go elsewhere if you don't give mm. them a sense of belonging. Jazakallah, Ali. Carry on. No, yeah, it's, 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 it's so true, you know. Um, and like you mentioned about the study that was happening, because that's, that's like a form of shubahat, because that person was in doubt. It's it's the, the truth was distorted as something that is not when he's looking at mm. he's saying that's that line is longer. Everybody's <laughs> pointing at that one. You know, I don't want to look stupid. And this is one of the reasons a lot of young Muslims fall for it because they're thinking this whole Islam thing backdated, uh like they're insecure. So when they're looking at secular science and this it's just popularized ideas. Well, it's like passion. Mm. I want to be a part of that. It's like that. Well, it's it's that's how it is. It's, I want to be a part of it. You don't understand it. You don't know, like Ustad Hamdazotti said, when that guy was talking about causality, he doesn't know what enough causality meant. But he was just like, well, it sounds cool, you know, uh, and uh, I, I seem like I'm I'm, talk, I'm talking sense or whatever, mm. but he didn't have no idea. And it's a sense of belonging. And uh, it's like that. And doubts can look like, for example, the Prophet Wasallam. there was a man who came to him and he said that, oh, Messenger of Allah, we think about Allah and his, Allah and you, things that would rather fall from the sky and be eaten by birds. And now, a lot of the times when people think that, they're going to be thinking like, you know, I'm a bad person. The Prophet said, well, um, uh, praise praise Allah. Uh, can you imagine it? If you go to the Prophet, mm. I have so many doubts. I'm going to praise Allah, praise Allah for my doubts. The, uh, or, or, it's a Well, uh, the Prophet said, the fact that Shaitan's whisper, uh, been, uh, uh, his plot has dropped to a mere waswasa. So the thing is, it's like very, very important. Um, it's a and sign Shaitan is more desperate that he hasn't been able to convince you to course. do seriously. All he can and do is uh, give you these uh, yeah, whispers. Exactly. And I was speaking to my teacher. You know what I'll, I'll say in the Quran? Indeed, with hardship comes ease. A very deep with hardship comes ease. Yeah. And I asked him a question. I said, Sheikh, if that is the case, if with hardship comes ease, isn't the opposite true? With hardship comes ease, very deep with hardship comes ease. Therefore, if with hardship comes ease, that means with eateship comes hardship, if that makes sense, yeah? So, when I look at today's situation that we have, for example, psychological issues and mental, etc. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that this Qur'an was not sent to make it hard, our lives hard on us. But what we see is we live like kings. Mm. In today's age, wallahi, we live, kings didn't live like us. We can, look, I can say to myself, today shall I have a curry? Should I have Chinese? Should I have Japanese? Should I have Kurdish? Should I have Turkish? Should I have this? Should I have that? After I have that, should I have wisdom? Should I have booklet? Somebody will be like, yes, all uh, of the above. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I know. I'm going to go and have a bath. I'm going to stay in the bath for four hours. I'm going to have a two-hour shower. I'm going to sleep for <laughs> ten hours. Uh, I'm going to go and kill my friend. The, the, the way we are, uh, the, the, we're spoke to such an extent, and that's why I believe this ship, if that's in the English uh, thing, please correct me. You can just say ease. Ease, yeah? yeah, the ease that we live in follows with what hardship because it's the opposite, it's true, and that is what's happening today's time. And if we can just dedicate our time, like to Quran, we're going to get hardship in our life, it's, it's going to happen, it's bound to happen. It happens to Muslims and it happens to non Muslims mm. with the Quran. Waking up a fajr is not easy, reciting the Quran, it might not be easy for some people. And um, doing certain like a card, morning a card, and even a card, for example, it changed my life. I had a, a talk, uh, Ustad Hamza's daughter was giving a talk in a masjid, and I was just there to kind of chair it. Um, um, and I was talking, and one brother sent an afkar up to me. I'm in the dawah, yeah? And I never used to do my afkar. Mm. I used to, I'll be honest with you, this is a learning curve. And with me, I used to disregard it. I was hit 
so badly. Like only certain people that are really close to me knows I was bombarded, like literally, and I was hit left, right, center. I felt as if I was in a ring with Mike Tyson and I was getting knocked out, like left, right, uppercuts. And why? Because I never used to do my card properly yet. Mm. And that's why when Allah <clears throat> says, indeed, with hardship comes ease, yes, these things are hard to do. But the ease that will follow is worth it. So you have a choice. Either you go through what Allah has, um, like, for example, the, the, the cure Allah has given to you. Either you get that. So when calamities hit, you're ready. But what we do is we are like, we live in a time, fast cars, uh, fast hand dryers, Amazon Prime, um, everything's fast, fast, fast. So we're programmed to, I want Instagram. Uh, instant, uh, yeah. Yeah, instant. I could, so you can I order, order at Uber Eats if you're hungry well, or whatever. Exactly. Quickly, yeah. And we're not created like that. And that's the reason why, for example, a lot of people like, you know, just shove a hand and they just get affected and it, it impacts you. So it's like, subhanAllah, mm. it's the cure is from Allah. Wallah, you can see it. And so many people, so many youngsters, we see. And, you know, it's 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 sad. Yani, the cure is in front of you. And, mm. oh, yeah, one thing you mentioned, Ustaz Hamza's daughter, is about dua. <clears throat> so powerful. I was fixing, I bought a new wardrobe um, for my wife. Um, and I was fixing it. Yeah, I was so it was, I was by myself. And That's I like you with this. So I was fixing it. But the Husband legs. Husband of the year. Thank you. <laughs> I was I was fixing it, yeah, and I, I can remember at one point she was having a go at me. You don't know how to do it. Should we get help? I was like, we didn't get help, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm doing quite well here. But the thing was, the legs. Like, like these, the, this IKEA instructions literally have no words yeah. in them. It's that easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was fixing it, and the two legs at the bottom. You know, mm. you get that wooden thing that you put in between. Yeah. You yeah, put yeah, in yeah. It holds it. I think it's so called a butt it, joint. Whatever is, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and, I put it and I did the top bit and then the legs broke like that, yeah? And I was so annoyed. I was like, subhanAllah, I need to Should have got someone who knew what they were doing to help you out. And I came to a realisation. I came to a realisation. I said to myself, "This it's a wardrobe. Now, logically, what do we think? It's a, ward, it's a wardrobe. I need a screwdriver. I need this machine. I need that. And I can do it. Something so small. You asking for Allah's help in something so small, like mm. in your head, you're logically thinking, No, I need these tools to do it. Wallahi, no. And I said, Oh Allah, help me make it easy for me to do it. And a simple idea came to my head. I said, Look, the legs are broken. Go to IKEA. Now, some people might think, Okay, well, it's not it's not like rocket science, but <laughs> at the moment you don't think of it. And I just got a few mm. these screw things and I just screwed it back on, and it was made so easy. So sometimes what we think is logically that everything has to be logical. Everything I can, I can, if I want to go and get takeaway, I have to jump in my car and go. That's, that's true. But asking Allah's help is fundamental. It's so important. Don't belittle it. Anything little, mm. small or big, ask it. And, and this is what we lack. And it may, maybe it might come from an uh, area of low iman, but whatever you're in, if you get a doubt, ask Allah for help. Oh Allah, help yes. yeah. No. Okay, wicked. Dua... so Hamza, you, you're mentioning the different um, things uh, about Shubhad We talked about the the definition, we talked about how it's not just a cognitive thing But the human being is yes. different angles The human being is the emotional, the the spiritual, the physical, uh, yes. the cognitive And subhanAllah, Iman, uh, in, as a, as a uh, uh, qualitatively, Iman is all those things, right? Iman is qawl and amal Iman is yeah. your actions as well so it, therefore, you know, it it, it, it it makes sense that therefore Shubuhat, the things that attack Iman also likewise will transcend and 
that come from different angles. You spoke about okay, the heart, the importance of knowing about the heart and the connection to the apple. Yeah, and so you spoke the, about the, then um, your environment. Environment. So we said yeah. Your heart focus on spiritual heart. Your environment. Uh, make du'a. Um, we spoke about making the distinction. Okay, because that's a, that's one yeah. that's one of the strategies is being able to make a distinction between. Uh, valid questions, shubhahs, and waswasa. Now, why is mm. that important? Because the ability to make distinctions empowers you. I'll give an example. If I give you three different pictures of berries, right? If you know nothing about medicine or herbal medicines, all you're seeing is three berries. That's all you're seeing. Three different types of berries. You, you're, not, you're not empowered to make distinctions to empower you in a profound way. But if, you, for example, you bought a book, a plant medicine book, now you can make distinctions between which one is good for you and in what way is it good for you, right? So making distinctions mm. empowers you. Likewise, if you're able to make a distinction between a shubha, waswasa, and valid questions, then that already empowers you. That's one method to prevent the shubha from coming into your heart and being transformed from a waswasa to a shubha. Mm. So we said yeah. this in the beginning, a waswasa is based on the hadith that Ali mentioned that... Uh, you whisper have a from shaitan. Yeah, whisper from shaitan. Yeah. You have a psychological aversion to it. You don't believe it. You don't speak about it. And you don't mention it. That's a sign of iman. And you, you seek Allah's it, refuge right? from. You seek yeah, Allah's you refuge, seek refuge from that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so that's a waswasa. You don't believe in it. You don't think it's true in any shape or form. You have a psychological aversion to it. Mm. And, and so on and so forth. Now, a shubha, as we said, tries to distort the religion of Islam or to. To, to shed doubt in these foundations, okay? And a valid question, and this way it gets a little bit, you have to make the distinction here. A valid question is any question, any question that doesn't seek to distort Islam and doesn't seek to undermine the foundations, even if the question is about the foundations. For a sincere example, question, basically. A sincere yes, one, yeah. I could, I, like, for example, I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but I may have a question about how do you prove his existence using the the argument from design? I don't mm. know. Now, that doesn't mean you don't believe in Allah. You do, but you have a question about a particular argument, for instance. For example, yeah. you may believe in the Quran because the way you relate to the Quran. It's awakened your fitrah. I believe the book of Allah to be from Allah 100%. But you know what? I have a doubt about a particular verse. Mm. I need some explanation. No problem, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you're not distorting the religion, it doesn't undermine uh, the foundation. So making distinctions that's, that's are very really, important. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but it's very um, important to distinguish between... So some people f confuse a shubha to be the inability to articulate a response to a question. So mm. if they don't know the answer to this, they'll think, oh no, <laughs> you know, I have a... Uh, yes. you know, an, an issue in my uh, my fundamental Here's a principle. Islam. Here's a principle. Even knowing in, um, something is yeah. yeah. Sorry, knowing something is true, mm. and not being able to show that is true are two different things. Yeah. I mm. repeat, knowing something is huck and being able to say why it's huck are two separate things. Mm. So don't worry if you if you don't know how to say why certain things are huck for you, it mm. doesn't undermine the fact that they are huck. Yeah. And you could do this exercise by saying, do you, do you believe your mother gave birth to you? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Now, I could really take you through a, a an exercise to show that you have not much evidence apart from her say-so. Right? And it might give you some doubt. But, <laughs> but the point I'm trying to say here is, 
um, there's a distinction between knowing the truth and being able to articulate. And this leads yeah. to the other strategies. So there are two related strategies that we would use here. Number one, seek a specialist. Our ummah is full of amazing people that have answers to these questions. Seek a specialist. Mm. Number two, go on a path of, traverse a path of ilm, of studying knowledge. Let me give an example. A very famous shubha that comes from apostates, Muslims, everybody. Women get half of inheritance. Allah is unjust. The most ridiculous. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. So I had this question, like I think it was earlier this week. Yeah. And I basically said, look, look at this. First and foremost, don't impose a liberal paradigm on Islam. Let Islam speak for itself. Yeah. The Islamic model of social model is that everything is interconnected with a holistic view on, on the world. And when it comes to inheritance, there are two main principles. Number one, the closeness to the deceased and your hierarchy or, or your social responsibility. And this is why in some cases, actually, according to the fuqaha, around only four cases do women get less. But people don't know, around 16 cases, women yeah. get more. <laughs> yeah. Women get more. Yeah. 16 cases... Women get much more. Yeah. So, and, and the funny thing is, when the man gets more, say, for example, there's a brother and a sister, and the father passes away, the, the sister will get half of, of the son. They think it's unjust. No, it's not unjust. Because, okay, they're both close to the deceased, but one has more of a social responsibility, because in Islam, when the father passes away, the yeah. elder son has to take care of his sister, which yeah. means what? Food, shelter, clothing, makeup. This, that, and the other. So his excess money that I'll he sold up, yeah. Got, yeah, you know what I mean, right? For her husband, I Just don't know, the, Oh, at home. Hey, the point I'm trying to say is, um, uh, 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 the Sharia police is here, yeah? yeah? <laughs> but you, it was, it was, it was Mubalaga. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get the point, yeah? It's Mubalaga. So, <laughs> <laughs> the point here is, his yeah. ex, so-called excess money from uh, uh, a little bit more inheritance is going to her anyway. But and, does that does that she, answer? And if she doesn't do it, sorry. Does that answer fix that person's problem though? But but this is how you should answer it. This is the point. So mm. when you show them that number one, they don't know the Sharia. Number two, they don't understand the holistic nature and the amazing values and the social yeah. model of Islam. You what you. Exposes an ignorance and that allows you to continue a conversation if you do it mm. with sensitivity and emotional intelligence to realize something else is going on. Because, wallahi, if that was the only issue that you left Islam, couldn't you Google an answer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for good sake, if you want to go buy a mobile phone, you, you, you at least check, like, you know, you go to the compare the market dot whatever, right? Mm. You compare different phones. And for mm. this, you just listen to your mate. There's something else going on. It's about peer mm. pressure. Maybe something's going on at home. But the point is, when you do traverse a path of ilm, ilm would always annihilate doubts. Yeah. Always annihilate mm. doubts. And even if you're not satisfied with uh, the answers from the Islamic intellectual and spiritual tradition, then that is an indication that you either don't agree with some of the assumptions that Islam holds, and also that there's something else going on in your life or with, within yourself that needs to be resolved and it has mm. nothing to do with uh, an intellectual answer. So, but related to this issue, what we talked about, two main strategies are, number one, seek a specialist and number two, traverse the path of ilm. Another strategy that is related to this is critical thinking. Wallahi, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes my, my, my son, he asked me a question about theological issues, right? And... What I try and do is I ask him, 
if you had to ask yourself this question, how would you answer? Mm. Now, the reason I do that to him is I put him in a position of power that now he's dealing with himself mm. in an abstract way, but as if he has a responsibility over himself and he starts to think a little bit more, then he, he gets the answer himself. So it's a powerful way of teaching people how to critically think or how to basically resolve their own problems intellectually, but just asking him the question like, you know, well, how would you answer that? What would you say to yourself, mm. right? What would you, oh, well, this would be my answer. Okay, and then this, and you probably further, you probably a little bit further, maybe ask a few questions. It's like a Socratic method, right? A Quranic method. And then, it, and it brings out the truth. Many of our youth and many of our mm. the Muslim community, they don't know how to critically think. And the Quran is full of critical thinking. The Quran is full of examples concerning shirk, concerning uh, the creation, concerning the rububiyah of Allah, the uluhiyah of Allah, full of critical thinking, evaluating and, and assessing a, a reality in the most profound way and providing a response. You know, the Ibrahim alayhi salam, for example, so many examples in the Quran mm. and the Sunnah, even in our intellectual spiritual tradition. But yet, for some reason, we, we just don't think about issues. So what we focus in the course, we focus on uh, moral epistemology and we focus on the philosophy of science as an example because if you what we forgot to mention is the three main sources of doubt according to uh, research is because Yaqeen Institute did some research on this yeah. and they concluded and I agreed with this actually because from my experience it, it falls in these three categories mm. number one I think it was a philosophical and scientific doubts number two moral and ethical doubts and number three trauma trauma mm. like you know mm. uh, bad experiences bad relationships, or whatever the case may be. And those are the kind of sources of doubt. So what we focused on was the ethical and yeah. the scientific. And if you teach basic moral epistemology, and if you teach basic philosophy of science and how to critically think within that domain of knowledge, it solves the majority of doubts. It might be a bit, um, bit difficult for people to grasp if you just say something like moral epistemology. What you, is, it, what, is what you mean... How do we know something is good and bad? Get people to yeah, so, think about that question, basically. And yeah, because the, yeah, uh, question because the some of their assumptions that they've absorbed yeah. from society around them. That, you know, um, even a yes, woman absolutely. receiving half of that of a man is, is bad inherently, for example. Uh, yeah, even if so, it were the case. So what we do is we basically say we have to understand that we're social creatures. And mm. a lot of our moral inclinations sometimes may not be Islamic because we're part of this kind of, you know, non-Islamic secular liberal environment so we have to appreciate that but at the same time when you talk about more epistemology we just try and we make we, we, we articulate in a basic way then we go a little mm. bit more deeper but the basic thing is this who has the right to draw the line and where right mm -hmm. so you just say right when you think about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you focus on his names and attributes allah's names and attributes are maximally perfect without any deficiency or flaw right so allah is al-bar he's the source of all goodness mm. he's al-rahman he's the merciful, he's Al-Hakim, he's the wise, and so on and so forth. So when Allah commands something, it's going to be in line with his infinite wisdom. He's the source of all goodness and so on and so forth. And just like mm -hmm. what Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, you know, you may hate a thing that's actually good for you, right? So what we say is, who is the moral authority, even intellectually? Well, it's definitely mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Closes the it just it's case closed. It's just case closed. Mm. And obviously after that, we unpack other issues within that field. But in a basic way is who has the, who, 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 who draws the line on where? Mm. Um, and especially when you talk about things like Allah wants best for us. Allah has the picture. We just got the pixel. He knows what's best for us. He has more affection for us than our own mother. 
He's not going to command something that's going to be bad for you in any way in the deen and the dunya. And we try and give them an akhirah, you know, centric focus. As on well. the contrary, Allah or, or, says. Or, or we will be, we will be in, in, mm. in the rest of the course anyway, inshallah. Assalamualaikum guys, last reminder I promise, head over to islam21c.com forward slash donate to help this movement get to the next level. So we have genuine, high quality media articulating Islam in the 21st century and developing confident Muslims impacting the world for the better. Well, I mean, Allah says that if the, if the truth were to follow your desires, there'd be <laughs> chaos. <laughs> absolutely. You know? absolutely. And uh, if the Prophet were to <laughs> give you what you wanted, it would end up harming you even more, you know, yeah. in, in Surah yeah. Al-Hujurat, you know. Um, yeah. uh, SubhanAllah. Yeah. So, um, the uh, philosophical slash scientific shubhahat, source of shubhahat, uh, and the moral yeah. and ethical. And, and the other one is trauma. trauma. Yeah. So the trauma, we, we have a separate uh, uh, effective strategy to deal with that. And we try and teach people the following. Stand in the possibility that the meaning you're giving your trauma, whatever it is, the mm. meaning you're giving your trauma can be changed. And if you could get someone to stand in that possibility, it's so empowering. Mm. And what we try and teach people to do is to give the meaning Allah has given your trauma. Okay. Or the meaning that Allah wants you to give your trauma, which is such an empowering experience. And obviously we make a caveat, we're not psychologists or cognitive psychologists here, psychologists. But the point is, even in cognitive psychology, this is what they mm. do. They get people to stand in the possibility that, that you need to change the meaning that you're giving your trauma. And it is such an empowering experience. Mm. And, and from an Islamic point of view, when we get people to give the meaning that Allah wants them to, to give to this issue or to this trauma, it can fundamentally change yeah. Uh, their trauma and therefore tr change the way they see their life through that traumatic experience and it would change their perspective on Islam and it's a very very powerful experience sounds like a very important um, course this webinar series I'll check it out um, put the link in the description below inshallah as well inshallah um, we'll write something about this as well yeah, yeah definitely Ali what is your um, your experience on the when I mean, kind of the, the stuff that you get uh, sent to you any messages from Muslims uh, going through Shubhat, what what kind of uh, plan of action do you do? Do you just send them all to Hamza or do you respond no, to them yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ali, Ali is well That's what I used to do sometimes. I was like, you know what? Hamza. Just tell them to call Aira. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, for example, that's what's really good about in the Dawah scene because you have different people yeah. with different skills. So, for example, if someone comes to me with evolution, you need to go see Sabur. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, different people, like, Alhamdulillah, like, you can say, okay, go this, watch this video. Uh, etc so we use the handle our dawah is not just like okay the answer has to come from me yeah. uh, sometimes we we i can't just say you know actually this video here brother Muhammad hijab he actually just watched that video uh, so and that's what we try to do with these videos and stuff like that you know it's 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 something that's out there and we just we just say look watch this video and it works you know subhanallah sometimes um but it, it differs there's different different kind of doubts about you know be it like predestiny uh which is a lot of people ask about predestiny um, it, it, it varies from haram relationships or or going through it's 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 so vast you know you're a bit, you're a bit like a doctor you know like a spiritual mm. doctor you know um, and you know like doctors save lives and you know it's and we try to save souls you know that's 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 what we try to do um, so it's 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 good like you know you, you try to diagnose and you need to be very careful as well you know um, how you deal with certain uh, situations because it's very delicate 
So like personally, my experience is different, different. Like sometimes we sit down, we eat, we have long conversations, we talk to someone. And a lot of the times, we, you know, because we live, like I said, in this fast cars, everything is fast, fast. Sometimes in the dad we look for fast results. Like, yeah, okay, so you had like power. a really nice fast white Range Rover or something, a red Range Rover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, if you if you haven't seen that video, please watch yeah. it. Uh, you made it in life. Uh, I, yeah, and uh, the thing is, yeah, sometimes we speak to people like you know, mm. four or five hours, you know, and know. They, they don't change like in the context, and you can't be you can't be like, okay, why? I gave you my five hours. What are you talking about? You know, but even people, if even if you neutralize someone's maybe animosity, yeah. that's a that's a, exactly. a wise goal as well to have. Exactly. Well, they, yeah. Let's suppose they didn't change at all. You know, sometimes we yeah. have this thing of like, oh, I need to get shahada. If I got shahada, yeah, I've, I've done dawah. It's uh, ajib. You know, like for example, uh, people come and say, oh, brother Ali, uh, how many shahadas did you get? Um, mm. Since I've been doing dawah, three, three, yeah, three, brother. Oh, three, and three martyrs. There must be something wrong with this dawah. The question is this: we, we shouldn't be out there like, yeah, take a shot, take a shot, like, like a, <coughs> what do we do? We leave them. Yeah, Allah Akbar, takbir. Okay, bye bye, brother. When you need me, yeah, don't call me. Um, it's 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 sad. Send, send them to sapiens. Yeah, I had a for that kind of stuff. I send them straight to Ira because they have something there, and I'm like, look, go there. They send you the booklets and da da da. What you need, etc. Um, so it's, 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 I think yeah. the key, the key that you mentioned, yeah, is the, the individualized response that is so important because, yeah. I mean, for some people actually answering their shubha will ruin their life. Um, yeah. it would give them, maybe they're having, maybe they have OCD, for example, and in, in you engaging that issue or answering the question technically correctly yeah. may, um, make their cycle of OCD uh, and or anxiety even worse, you know. Um, and our Sheikh, the, he he warned us about this as well in terms of like if somebody asks you a really kind of obvious question, you know. Uh, one brother once asked me, um, "I'm in a re- I work in a restaurant and you know, my job is X Y Z, but they serve alcohol. Is my is my um, income halal?" And uh, Alhamdulillah, I didn't answer it because I spoke to the, uh, our Sheikh later, and he said you have to be very careful. Some of these questions, people are like a kid, like uh, beating themselves up they 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 have this these wiswas they have this ocd that if my income is haram then my food is haram my children eat haram and then my salah is not valid and this one and I'm not, I'm not even muslim so somebody could even be you know if you give them the technical answer for something that's correct they may end up subhanallah committing suicide or something because you've just fueled that that uh, cycle of, uh, of of emotional and and uh, kind of a, a descent yeah, so it's very important to uh, have that individualized response to see how someone's reacting to certain cues and see their body language and stuff. And that's why I think the whole um, automated or large-scale answers to these things are very problematic sometimes. That because you don't know who's going to watch a video or read an article or listen to a particular podcast that's dealing with a specific issue. And it's very, it's a tough one because you want to get some information out there. But then again, you don't want to, you know. You obviously you don't want the wrong people who 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 are gonna take that and, you know, get worse from that. How do you kind yeah. of? I don't, I don't know how. I don't have an answer to this. How do we uh, strike that balance? Yeah. Uh, cool. But just to touch up on what you just said, it's, it's yeah. very important. Because there's a statement from Ali radiallahu anh. He said, "Don't tell the people what they're not ready to hear. Mm. Do you want them to disbelieve in Allah and His Messenger?" Yeah. And mm. I think the Sheikh Salaf he gave an explanation. Like he was saying, for example, this can work in two ways. 
from what I remember, it can be <clears throat> that directly you say something, yeah, um, um, about, uh, I don't know, a specific hadith, you know, and that person, the shubhat can enter their heart because they're not ready to, they, yeah. they, like, you know, they're not ready to take that, you know. Um, and in another way you can cause them doubt is because they might come and, you know, reject and be like, no, that's not from the messenger. And you're like, whoa. So you see how you can attack it two ways. What you're saying could cause shubhat in their heart. And secondly, they can fall into disbelief, like uh, by saying, no, I don't, I reject that. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Message, uh, etc. So it was, it's such a delicate situation. It's like you're you're like a you're like a ph pharmacist. Somebody coming and saying, okay, uh, which medicine? Okay, and you need to diagnose them first. Okay, mm. let's hear you out. Sometimes you need to let them you know, talk less. Sometimes you need to talk less. Yeah, and listen. Okay, t t tell me. You know, listen, 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 listen. Diagnose. Okay, 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 okay. We understand what the problem is. You know what problem is? You need someone to be there. Well, like it's like that. Some people well, like even if you, you know, your problem like, is you need to slap. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that sometimes something simple, like for example, mm -hmm. do you want to come and eat with us? Oh, he 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 feels like I'm worthy of eat. Like wow, yeah, yeah, yeah I would like you to look eat. Hungry. Yeah, it's the world. It's like wow, okay, yeah, yeah, I would love to eat. Like I'm like brother, it's okay, it's just food, isn't it? Just just come. But in their eyes, you need to understand. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the reason why people in the Dawa scene are so looked up to. Before I came to Islam, Ustad Hamza Zortis and Sabur were in a little TV show they were doing. I called in. I called him before I came to Islam. I called in, I spoke to him, uh, spoke to him. I was looking into Islam. And when I met Sabur, I was like, you know, I was so happy. I was like, I guarantee me. And when I saw Ustad Hamzat, I was so gassed and hyped. So I have to understand how people see mm. when they see me or Muhammad Ijab or Ustad Hamzat. And we need to understand that some words that are minor to us are so big to people. Like you can answer a certain thing and they're like, wow. You know, um, it, it it changes their life. I do Uber a couple of days a week. Mm. I picked up a brother who was having marital problems. Like I was waiting in a taxi and he was taking so long and he was bringing bags and bags. And I'm thinking, uh, are you moving house? And he was like, no, okay, I'm having this, that. And I thought, oh, okay, all right. So I put him in the car and I took him. I was just having a little discussion. And he was he was saying like, um, you know, my wife, you know, she always like spends on my card and, you know, I, I can't afford it, da, da, da. And... I just thought something simple. I said, Aki, why don't you try this? Why don't you um, say to her, look, my dear wife. <laughs> Change your pin cap. number. Like, for example, like <laughs> my, my cap is, for example, 150 pounds. Oh, no, this is what he said. He said that she would spend money and he would question her and she would get annoyed. Why you keep questioning me? I said, look, say to her, I work. This is what I can afford. 125 pounds a week, argument's sake. Yeah? Give it to her. She wants to spend that in one day, in 20 seconds, in irrelevant. At least she knows the cap. You don't need to question a pesterer every time. And he, and Wallah, he said, I never thought of that. I said, Aki, go back to your house. Um, <laughs> apply this something. If it's because sometimes you're thinking in your head, should I say this to him? It's maybe stupid. And but Ali it, got it, two uh, like, two journeys out of the Uber from that from that uh, <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so, but so that's why small things that we disregard in the Dao scene, it can change somebody's life. It can be mm. like you know, and that's why I said to you guys, asking Allah's help, mm. Allah delivers it in mysterious ways. Uh, you know, and this happens, you know, with me personally as well. So, yeah, that's what I can say. Excellent, bro. So he's uh, he's involved in Dawah and he also does uh, some love guru coaching uh, marriage advice on the side as well, mashallah. And uh, this is not sound financial uh, advice, please. Uh, Oh, you know, imagine all the disclaimers in the bottom down there anyway that, you know, please uh, resort to a financial, independent financial uh, advisor right. for specific advice. But excellent, bro. I mean, that's uh, an excellent uh, kind of some um, advice about, you know, doubts we've discussed. 
um, Shubuhat and uh, all the different loads of different the ten points Hamza you mentioned that you're doing, um, you know uh, the the course on. Um, I was just thinking though, do you have do you get any comments about calling them doubts? Because um, especially if you're you're promoting critical thinking, your and and genuine questions and so forth, and uh, some people might it might come across to some people that if you're against doubt, um, because there can be a good level of doubt in terms of healthy skepticism and doubting your own, for example, uh, sincerity, and you mentioned so many Sahaba would think. Uh, you know, uh, doubt them their own uh, ikhlas and think that they are hypocrites and so forth. So doubts, you know, I know it's hard to find a good translation for certain things anyway. But uh, have you have you come across that um, that tension yes, between so using that 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 word doubt in a negative way? When I I think I delivered the, when I delivered the first session or the second, I got mm. a question by someone that said, "What's wrong with doubts? Yeah. You know, doubts is what's make makes us progress, right?" So I had to spend some time in that Q&A to basically unpack that issue and say, well, there's a difference between healthy skepticism and unhealthy skepticism. And even when people mm. say, for example, the West was built on skepticism and that's why it's progressed. Well, actually, that's not really true because a lot of the domain of knowledge that people have progressed in or the West has progressed in certain domains of knowledge, they actually require certain things within that domain of knowledge that you cannot doubt at all. If you were to doubt yeah. them, you wouldn't progress in that domain of knowledge. So I had to make a, carefully make a distinction between healthy doubts and unhealthy doubts. And everyone has their own red yeah. lines. But mm. From the Islamic traditional point of view, the red line will be basically the most fitri aspects of reality, such as Allah is a reality and he's worthy of worship, right? Generally speaking. So that's that kind of red line. But within that, or a little bit further, there is some area mm. of healthy doubt. I, I spoke about <coughs> the concept of ishtihad, for example, or even in fiqh. You know, we may have, for example, Satan data, data in this context, ayat and a hadith, but the ulama based on a certain framework would interpret that in a different way than others. And they'll say, you know what, this is my best answer, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and even certain furui, furui matters, like uh, 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 smaller matters within creed, that there is a little bit more flexibility. You know, they may be like, you know what, this is my position, but if you have a different position, I can't. I can't condemn you for that, yeah? So that's a healthy type of skepticism there. But yeah, you're right. So I had to, it was a very good question. And what we're doing on the website, we're putting answers to those type of questions in written format as well. Yeah. So uh, I have a running list of one. things that are what I call untranslatables. And um, I think this is one of them. <laughs> I think we need yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, you can do right. a thing where you leave it untranslated, but if someone hovers over it, you can give them a good... Uh, you know, because some things require a bit of a paragraph or a sentence or two yeah, for to, sure, for um, sure. to explain them. Yeah. But anyway, I'm conscious of the time and Zakna uh, Khairan for joining us. Zakna uh, for the opportunity. Hamza Hamza bless you. Georges and it's Mr. Great, Ali Dawao. It's a great honor to have the great honorable gentleman. I know. MashaAllah. Yes. Well, we're very <laughs> humble as well. Alhamdulillah. Zakna Ali Dawao. Khair, brothers. Dr. Zakna Khairan. Thank you very much for joining and Jazakallah Khairan to you at home. Thank you very much for joining wherever you uh, watch this podcast. If you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. Remember to subscribe and hit the bell notification and uh, subscribe to Islam to see Unscripted wherever you find your podcast for um, being at the front of the queue whenever something juicy like this comes up. Um, 
get involved in the comments if you agreed with something if you didn't agree with something if you want to refute Hamza or Ali or even myself uh I'll refute back yeah we will refute back that's uh that's a promise and a uh, threat there as well but uh yeah from uh, myself uh, Hamza and Ali and the rest of the Stamford team assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh uh, uh.